Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a spotlight on Memorial Day, and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm checks in with the Golden Gophers from the road. But first, the legislative session ended a week ago, but as MNN's Bill Werner tells us, the politicking didn't stop then. All those in favor say aye. aye. Those opposed, no. The motion prevails, and the House stands adjourned. Signy die. Republican leaders of the House and Senate ended their 2018 legislative session knowing there was a good possibility Governor Mark Dayton would not accept a major tax cut bill and a supplemental budget bill that they passed. If they come to me the way they're now, I'll veto them. The governor said just hours before lawmakers left St. Paul, he warned legislators they had not met his demand for emergency state aid to school districts with budget shortfalls. House Speaker Kurt Dowd responded. He asked for $130 million. We gave him $225 million in that bill. So we have more than exceeded uh, what he asked for. Dayton fired back. Most of that is repurposing money that schools already have for other things. So it's not new money. They're just taking money from one pot or two pots and putting it into another one. That bill also included major changes to match up Minnesota's income tax laws with the new federal changes, and Republican Representative Greg Davids from Preston warned, If he doesn't sign the bill for sure, immediately 300,000 Minnesotans are going to have tax increases. If he signs the bill, 98.8% are held harmless. But Senate Democratic Minority Leader Tom Bach called the tax bill a huge giveaway to big multinational corporations. Bringing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of profits into this state, who don't want to be taxed on it. Republicans remained hopeful the governor would sign the tax bill and the supplemental budget bill, Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. I'm hoping as the difficulties of session and how that works, I'm hoping he can settle back a little bit, hear from the people of Minnesota and say, you know, we really need you to sign that bill, Governor. I don't know. We'll see, but that's my hope. But early signals from the governor, not encouraging. I've never seen a session this badly mismanaged, less transparent, we're beholden to the special interest. To try to get the governor to go along with things he does not like, Republicans put a number of generally agreed-on measures in the budget bill, including reforms designed to prevent elder abuse at care facilities. And they turned out supporters to turn up pressure on Dayton. Kent Edwards' mother died last year in an assisted living center. Governor Dayton, actions become your legacy. Please act. There's a time for urgency, and that time is now. This is your call to action. Turning a blind eye will allow our families to die. Democrats pushed back, bringing out their backers, who labeled the million dollars Republicans put in the budget bill to address the opioid crisis as pretty meaningless. They wanted a penny a pill tax on drug manufacturers and blamed Speaker Kurt Dowd for killing it in the Minnesota House. Back in February, I was in a meeting with Speaker Dowd, and he shook his fingers at those pharma lobbyists and he said, mark my words, this is going to happen. You tell your clients to get their checkbooks up because we're going to do something here in Minnesota. Well, in the middle of all this pull and tug, protesters demanding an end to mass deportations shut down part of a light rail line in Minneapolis. It's an injustice for anyone. It's an injustice for me. I'm an immigrant. My parents are immigrants. A cell phone. I mean, we're all immigrants. We're all on uh, Indian land, so... Um, 
truly we're all immigrants. Those protests came just days after the governor vetoed a bill that would have increased penalties on demonstrators who block freeways, airports, and mass transit. And that bill's sponsor, Elk River Republican Nick Zerwas, said... The governor um, emboldened, emboldened protesters uh, to continue their criminal activity. But the governor said that bill... The transit part is just too vague and... Even existing language in the statute is, is too vague. It says that it tends to. So if you're talking about these kind of penalties that they want to increase, it's got to be much more specific and explicit than that. Dayton was in Washington, D.C. Tuesday for a meeting, and when he got back to the Capitol on Wednesday... This morning I vetoed the omnibus budget bill, the 985 pages of mostly policy, and I also vetoed the tax bill. They were two of the legislature's major work products during the 2018 session, and Dayton said Republicans... They wouldn't give up $200 million of tax-free money to large multinational corporations rather than provide what the students of um, Minnesota needed and teachers of Minnesota needed. The House Republicans cozying up to the money special interests, giving what they wanted on opioids and elder care and NRA and... Uh, the Minnesota care buy-in, uh, nixing that. Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka said he is angry and deeply disappointed by the governor's vetoes, adding they feel impulsive and vindictive. We were going to have a conversation this afternoon. I was shocked that he vetoed the bills without even the courtesy of that conversation. We lowered the lowest tax bracket. We lowered the, the middle class tax bracket. And so that's where 99.8% did not get a tax increase. But it's, it is not true to say that the business community in Minnesota got a break. They paid more. House Speaker Kurt Dowd said a whole pile of Minnesotans will be irreparably damaged by the governor's vetoes. We elected this governor to be the leader of the state, and I think he has failed our state. Um, and the people who are going to be hurt by this are the ones who need to call him to action now. The common denominator in all of the difficulties we've had for the last eight years has been our governor. I mean, more often than not, this governor, when asked to engage, has been missing in action. Dowd alleges the governor's true objective... He wanted to create in an election year was that somehow this session was a failure. This session wasn't a failure. Our governor was a failure. And Minnesotans will be hurt because he chose politics over people. Dayton fires back House Republicans. They didn't want satisfactory resolution. They didn't want those things to be funded. They wanted the, the impasse. They wanted it to fail. They wanted to go out and blame every uh, blame on me everything that the people rightfully wanted and should have received. So where to from here? <laughs> no special session. They had their chance. They, they messed this session up worse than any I've ever seen. Scott? Thank you, Bill, and I'll have more on how that tax bill veto may impact Minnesotans come tax time when Minnesota Matters returns. Mr. Detweiler, it's time to wake up, Mr. Detweiler. Hey, Mr. Detweiler, how are we doing? Your surgery is over. Oh, it's over? What happened? Hi, Mr. Detweiler. Dr. Newman here. You have a new knee. It went great. You'll be up and around before you know it. And it's all because of you. Uh, what did I do? You were captain of Team Detweiler. You told us everything we needed to know. Your medical history, your allergies and prescription meds. You asked me tons of questions. 
what your options to surgery might be, what to expect during recovery. You even ask me how many knee replacements I've already done. Huh. I guess I did kind of run the whole operation, didn't I? Mr. Detweiler, we couldn't have done it without you. Patient safety. It takes a team. And patient involvement is key. A public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. With more tips at orthoinfo.org slash patient safety. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. So many Minnesotans are wondering how Governor Dayton's veto of the tax bill will impact them. I spoke with State Revenue Commissioner Cynthia Bowerly about what the veto means for taxpayers. I want Minnesotans to know that the Department of Revenue is beginning the process of updating the state's tax filing systems for taxpayer use in 2019. We do this every year when we have a tax bill, or this year we're going to be updating our tax system uh, to accommodate the differences between the federal law and Minnesota's tax. Minnesota's law. Uh, we work every year with tax preparers and our vendors to ensure that everyone knows how those changes will affect their filing, and we have been very successful in up- updating and implementing these changes year after year. So we want Minnesotans to have confidence that their tax filing system will be ready for them come January of 2019, uh, and we will be communicating and hearing from and listening from all of our stakeholders uh, as we move into the summer and fall as we uh, prepare that tax system. And how much more of an uphill battle is that going to be this year in light of the sweeping changes that have been made at the federal level? As I said, this process does happen every year. This year is a little bit different because instead of implementing a tax bill, we are going to be making changes to accommodate the differences between the federal law changes and Minnesota's current law. And so there will be some uh, additional and different work that we will be engaging in. And as I said, we will be working closely with tax preparers and uh, with the software vendors. Uh, We know that 87% or so of Minnesotans use uh, tax filing software either through a preparer or on their own. And so working closely with those vendors is something that we do every year. And so we look forward to that process again. You somewhat have addressed this by saying it's it's an annual thing that happens within the department. But I know that some Minnesotans are are more concerned this year, particularly in light of uh, today's announcement that the conformity bill and the tax bill had been vetoed. Um, What would you say, uh, other than the fact that you do it every year, to uh, sort of assuage those uh, concerns that Minnesotan taxpayers have? Well, Minnesota Department of Revenue has been preparing for any potential outcome. So we've already been working on this for a couple of months for whatever the outcome might be. And so now that we know what the outcome is, we will turn our teams immediately to working on these issues. Minnesotans uh, will need to keep in mind that Minnesota law is different from the federal law. One area that Minnesotans may want to think about is if they itemize deductions on their taxes, they are no longer allowed to do that at the federal level. But for Minnesota, they will. And so they should remember that they will need to keep that documentation. Even though they can't deduct that at the federal level, they may be able to do so at the state level. And so we just want to remind them and they should, you know, if they have questions, they should talk to their tax preparers about what kind of documentation they may want to keep. We also anticipate that the process for individuals and businesses, particularly with those electronic filing systems, there may be a few more questions that are more state 
state-specific because our system now is, is different than the federal system. But uh, we anticipate working with vendors, and I am confident that all of the stakeholders in our tax system will work together to make it uh, very as workable as a filing season for Minnesota taxpayers as we can come January. In terms of individuals and businesses having to pay more in taxes as a result of these changes, what is the likelihood of that? So any potential change in uh, tax liability that would be increased as a result of law changes would come from the federal law changes. You know, individuals' tax situations may change every year, but there are some individuals who may face a larger tax bill because of the changes that they made at the federal level on their state taxes. Uh, Some of those were identified as a part of the state's budget forecast that was released in early March. People should, uh, again, talk to their uh, tax preparer about those situations Many of those will be coming from some of the repatriated foreign income that may come to people as dividends. Those may be some of the areas where there could be additional tax as a result of those federal changes. Commissioner, on a real basic level, uh, even though this is something that your department does annually, does, does this veto of this particular bill make your department's job harder this year? Well, whatever the outcome of the legislative session, whether we would have had a significant tax bill or not having a tax bill, the department would have work to do to make changes to Minnesota's uh, filing system. Those, the work is different because uh, we are making changes that reflect the differences between Minnesota and federal law. Most of the proposals that were considered by the legislature this year involve some of that same work of accounting for the differences between Minnesota and federal law. So, Certainly, the work is different as the result of it, but it's, it is not, again, we've been planning for it, and it is not dramatically so different from implementing a tax bill that was under consideration. Thank you to my guest, State Revenue Commissioner Cynthia Bowerly. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A Minnesota veteran wounded in combat shares what Memorial Day means to him. Tasha Radel has more. In 2006, Staff Sergeant John Creasel of the Minnesota National Guard was stationed at Camp Fallujah in Iraq. During combat, he lost both of his legs when his unit encountered an IED. Creasel has gone through dozens of surgeries and months of recovery. John, take us back to that day. We were on a on a patrol to check out suspicious activity near Fallujah, uh, Iraq, when the vehicle we were driving in uh, encountered a 200-pound improvised explosive device, and I was severely injured, lucky to be alive today, and uh, two of my best friends were killed that day. And John, looking back at that, I think it's been nearly 12 years now, um, do you relive that day often? I do. I mean, every every morning when I put my, my pants on, my prosthetic legs, and then I put my prosthetic legs on, uh, it's a reminder of what happened that day. But it, it's it's a reminder that I'm thankful for. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I was awake and conscious for, for that situation. I mean, I woke up on the ground once the bomb hit. I don't remember flying through the air, and I don't remember hitting the ground, but I remember waking up on the ground and hearing rocks falling. sounded like a hailstorm. I remember hearing a friend next to me struggling to to survive, and ultimately he didn't make it. So 
those reminders and, and the vivid memory that I have that I, I didn't think I was going to survive. But it makes every day I, I've had since then uh, a gift, and I'm thankful for it. And so it's something I don't want to forget. It's something that I'm at a point now where I relive it often, but not in a, in a bad way. I mean, I, I give motivational speeches around the state and around the country talking about what happened because my hope is that it can impact others in, in a positive way without them having to go through what I did. And, you know, you brought that up uh, through your speeches and, and the book that you wrote and uh, still standing, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But when when you go and, and talk or you visit with other veterans who have went through similar situations, any advice for them or how? what do you encourage them to try to do? To talk about it. I mean, um, I'm I'm fortunate to to be very close and have contact with my friends that were there with me that day. Tim Nelson, he was in the seat behind me. I get to see him. I work with him every day. Um, he's my best friend, and we talk about that day often. And that's how you heal. You you talk about it. You you get through it together. It's not something you can or should do alone. You know, and at first, it was tough for me to talk about it. When I woke up at Walter Reed, you know, I just had learned that two of my friends had died. And I was told at that point I may never walk again because my pelvis had been shattered. And and then they said, please tell us what you remember from the incident. That was after I had been in a coma for eight days. It was impossible for me to talk about it. I would get through a couple sentences, and I would break down and cry. And they said, it's fine, take your time. You know, eventually I... I, I told them everything I'd remembered, then they had me talk about it again and again and again and again. And I'm at a point now where, where I'm very blessed. I'm at a good spot in my life. I mean, the only PTSD that I that I have in my life is from the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> That's I like that. I like that. I know you're a big fan. I know you're a big fan. <laughs> And when when you um, mentioned talking about the incident, is that what kind of led you to to write your book, Still Standing? It did when when I was giving uh, I was giving a speech at a fundraiser way back in 2008, and I met a gentleman named Jim Cosmo, who's become a very good friend of mine. He he is the author of the book. I'm the co-author. He he after hearing my story, he followed me out to my car. Um, well, that sounds creepy. He he walked with me to my car as we just had a conversation, and he said, "I just can't believe all this." He said, "It's such a remarkable story. I think it would be an amazing book." And I said, well, I'm not going to write a book. Um, I think it, would, it is a very interesting story, too. And he said, I, I would like to write the book. And that's where we started the project, because what we didn't want to do is just write a book to, to write a book and to tell the story. There needs, there needs to be a, a mission behind it. There needs to be a purpose. And I think the purpose of the book, just like the, the speeches I give and I, I think how I live my life every day, is to appreciate it's it's about perspective you know like i tell people what happened to me is not going to happen to almost anybody in in the country or in the world it's just it's such a it's such a uh, rare occurrence but we all will face adversity at some point in our lives that's a given and it doesn't matter how big or how small that adversity we face is it's the attitude that we bring to the table that will help, will help us overcome that adversity and overcome anything in life. And I think that's the most important thing I've learned from that day. Um, and I, I live with that 
than every day. I know I could spend every minute of every day wishing December 2nd, 2006 didn't happen, but that's going to do no good. I have no control over that. But what I do have control over is trying to make today the best day I can, be the best friend I can be, and just live life to the fullest while I can. And John, this Memorial Day, you know, it's a lot of family gatherings and picnics and opening up cabins, uh, but the, the day is much deeper uh, deeper than that. Any Anything you ask of Minnesotans this Memorial Day on such a special day? Take a minute to, to remember those of us, you know, that, that, that aren't here. Those, you know, Corey Ristad, Brian McDonough, Jimmy Wasica are three that I served with. Um, you know, I don't get offended. I know there's some people that get offended when they see people posting about how they're looking forward to the three-day weekend and enjoying the weather and barbecues and all that. I think that's great. That's, that is what makes this country so great, is that we live under a blanket of freedom every day. We, we don't even oftentimes even think of the fact that in other countries, not so far from us even, people are fighting for their lives. They're worried about their next meal. They're worried about being able to get to school safely without getting attacked in a terrorist attack or stuff like that, where here we're just so fortunate. And so, you know, I know that Memorial Day before I went to Iraq, I looked at it as a weekend to, to get out of town and have an extra day off. And now I, you know, I'm going out of town to go to Las Vegas to celebrate with a couple of my buddies, but I will be on Monday. I will come back and visit my friends that are uh, that are at Fort Snelling buried, and I'll have a couple beers with them and, and thank them for their service. Thanks again to my guest, John Creasel. From all of us here at MNN, thanks for your service. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The final two days of the 2018 Gopher Road Trip featuring several high-profile coaches wrapped up earlier this week with visits in St. Cloud, Brainerd, Purim, and Alexandria. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm, who's also the radio voice of Gopher football, sat down with head coach P.J. Fleck while riding the bus on Wednesday. Well, head coach P.J. Fleck, here we are on the Gopher Road Trip, leg number two in the back of the bus going across Minnesota. As we talk, we just left Camp Ripley, which was a pretty cool visit. Uh, what an operation that is. What were your impressions of, uh, of the tour and uh, getting to meet some of the soldiers? Well, anytime you get a chance to meet uh, you know, our, our armed services and, and see our men and women who fight for our country every single day and sacrifice their lives every day for our freedoms, it's really important. It's very powerful and to see how they live on a daily basis you know, and see how the Army Reserves are. And, and it's a very 
important part of our military, and, and we just want to say thank you to all of our military personnel. Yeah, you think about heading into this Memorial Day weekend as well. It it does uh, give you a second to sit back and and and, and really uh, think about and put into perspective some of those things, right? Oh, it really does. I mean, there's a lot of important things we talk about every day in terms of winning and losing, but those things don't hold a candle uh, to what those uh, men and women do every single day to defend our country, and, and it gives you a lot of perspective. And I think you know, life's based on perspective. You'll handle certain circumstances based on the perspective that you have, and we all need that direction at times. And uh, those are the real heroes um, um, of our lives. Uh, also, obviously, part of this is to get out and meet fans, um, and uh, I know that is one of uh, the things you like. You like to connect, and uh, what's it been like uh, getting to uh, see more Gopher fans out and about in the state of Minnesota? This is your second uh, a year of uh, kind of taking these road trips. Yeah, the first year I'm kind of looking out the window, just sitting there looking at all the places that Minnesota has to offer and just kind of getting your feet wet. Um, this year you're really connecting with people. You met a lot of people last year, but this year you're really connecting with a lot of people. Some people you meet along the trip that you met last year, and it's really important not only just to see our, our fans in the stands on game day, but now you get to see them and they get to see us as just people, not the coach on game day. What has been the most popular question on this road trip so far when uh, fans come up and talk to you? <laughs> quarterbacks, of course. Uh, that's all they want to talk about is the quarterbacks. Who's going to play quarterback? So, um, you know, and then everybody wants to know when we're going to win a championship, just like they did last year. And I'm sure that the last 10, 15 years of the road trip, they've asked the same things. But um, we're in a great place with our football program. Our recruiting is going phenomenal internally, academically. We're have, we've had three straight semesters of the greatest academic semesters uh, in the history of Golden Gopher football. Yeah, June 4th, and then summer school starts. And um, those guys uh, go from high school seniors right into college freshmen. But uh, talk about the importance of that to get guys here maybe sooner than what their classmates will be here, their regular classmates. I'm talking like kids that would show up after Labor Day. I think it's really important, you know, get them up here. Uh, every day counts now, right? Because, you know, we have nine seniors on scholarship and around 15, 16 juniors on scholarship. Uh, other than that, everybody else is underclassmen or, you know, true freshmen. So uh, that it's, it's a scary deal to hear that. But at the other end, it's a lot of fun. And you get to be able to take these young guys from where they are and develop into what you really want to become as a program and as a culture. And, um, you know, so it's one of those challenging aspects that we have, but we're really excited about it and can't wait to get started. And when they get here in June, they get to take some classes. So um, it gives them a little head start academically, too. It really does. You know, that's the biggest thing. The one thing about, you know, when you come to college is time management is everything. Um, you know, and you can talk about priority management, really, not just time management, priority management, because, you know, there's so many things in high school that are regimen for you. And, you know, you go home, your parents are there and you have to eat at a certain time. And that's great. This is priority management, right? Because you're going to have a lot of things thrown at you, whether it's school, whether it's academics, whether it's your social life, whether it's football, all these things, leadership, all that. And for the first time, you're on your own. And so you've got to be able to really have your priorities straight. And uh, one thing I think we do really good as a football program is make sure that they are in line. Now, they've got to be able to follow those all the time. Even when they don't want to, they have to. Um, but it's one of those things I think we do a really good job of. It's kind of a cool time, too, as a freshman. You think back to your time, first time. you got those butterflies. You're anxious. You're not sure. But then you think about it. You build the foundation of people that you'll stay in touch with for life, not just as college classmates, but college football teammates, too. It can be really nerve-wracking. The first time you're out on your own, you don't really know anybody. It's a new environment. It's new coaching. It's new systems, new place, new friends. 
uh, that's scary for people. Uh, it's very similar to when you're a youthful kid and you pick up and move to a different part of the country and and in that first few months or you know year that your kids are acclimating, it's very difficult to watch them go through that. It's the exact same thing. They're just 17 years old instead of seven years old. So we have a lot of processes in place and uh, a lot of checkpoints that we look at proactively instead of reactively down the road. All right, very good. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Row the boat, Sky Go Gophers. Thanks. That's PJ Fleck and Mike Grimm, and that's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.